the award-winning Crunch Time. Lynch has drawn a crowd free against him. Cameron drops the mark. Shea Bolton spinning out. Got into his boots. There's your first magic moments. The Shasters on the scene. Marchette had a jump at it. Couldn't take the mark. Still fighting away. Off to Elliott. Up to Pendlebury. On to Josh Dacos. Through for a goal. Graham dumped into the turf by Hill. Johnson to Pendlebury. The goal opened up. He strode back through them and snapped one of the best in his career. Scott Pendlebury's still got the moves. Quickly looking for a target. He's seen McStay in the hole. McStay punches it through. And Collingwood will stay unbeaten. Yeah, make your own luck. It's not a lucky game, this one. You actually try and... Yeah, we just probably, I thought early we just absorbed and ran into their pressure. Like, we had some good looks, what we thought inside 50, but we just weren't clean. Yeah, we don't live in a, in a finished space. There's no there's no cap on it. We, we, we live in a growth mindset. So, you know, I'd like to think our best days are tomorrow. Um, you know, why, why, why would we put a ceiling on ourselves or look for perfection? It's, it's a word, actually, I don't like. Um, trying to be perfect means you're finished. We're far from that. We've got a long way to go. Um, there's major parts of the game we're still tinkering with and... As I said, you've got to evolve throughout the season because teams take things away from you. Collingwood adds to its impressive starts with a slogging win over Richmond. But there's a mounting problem in the ruck as injury leaves the big man stocks depleted. Hugo Hagen kicks his third. He has been a centrepiece tonight. His image from early in the game will sweep the nation tomorrow morning in the papers. And he is making... Quite the statement for his dog. Oh, I did want to make a stance. I wanted to show my presence. Like obviously, just, obviously, what happened the last weekend was a pretty hard time. Um, so just going out there and just proving a point that like, I'm just a boy trying to play some football. Same as the other Indigenous boys. I think just being strong. After a week of torment, Jamara Hagen makes a defiant stand. A generation on from Nicky Winmar. His match-winning turn for the Dogs, accompanied by an iconic moment in the game's battle with racism. It's just a great chance to recognise the past and, and wonder and dream into the future um, because we're still here, we're still strong and we're still a presence. That passion, that loyalty, that resilience, the, the sense of humour, um, the sticking the course despite the fact that we've mostly been um, ridiculed and, and pitied through our career rather than respected and feared. There's a certain type. That sticks through that. From 150 years, it's sort of hard to comprehend, isn't it? Um, but we plan on being here for the next 150 years and have some flags within that time. So it's a high price to entry, really, isn't it? Because there's a lot of, there's been a lot of challenge, disappointment, um, some great players. But I think once you're in, you're, you're in for life. So, so that's pretty cool. And the St Kilda community set to gather en masse on a night to mark 150 years, prompting heartfelt introspection of what it is to be a saint. This is the round three edition of Crunch Time. All of that plus the first coaching meeting of Alastair Clarkson and Sam Mitchell. And if they don't finish up in a cage with steel chairs, <laughs> I feel like it's going to be a huge anti-climax. Jared Whaley with you. A bit like... A bit like Craig McRae. I like to think our best days are tomorrow. David King, welcome. <laughs> g'day, G. G'day, lads. Well, that's uh, quite funny, Jerry. That's good, good off the top. Uh, they're all playing it down, but we really want to see it, don't we? We we know they hate each other. Let's just in, let's just embrace it. The WWE would. Yeah, <laughs> I like the cage match idea. Do you reckon we could ever get that to happen? No, I don't. But it's something that will sit sort of unrewarded for us. <laughs> Big day. Luke Hodge, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'll be also keen to to. Uh, <laughs> 
have a bit of a look this this afternoon and see is there going to be a shake of hands or are they going to avoid each other? But um, yeah, hopefully the football's a little bit better than what we've seen the last two nights. So Thursday night there was no excuses for the ugly football. Last night we could probably blame the weather, but looking forward to a big weekend of, of sport. It'll be a wet lettuce shake of hands, a bit like the cricketers with Justin Langer. It'll all be for show, Sam, and we won't say Edmund and we won't get what we truly want. We won't. And while I'm here, and good morning to you all, public service announcement on behalf of Collingwood. Jared. if you're north of 195 centimetres and you've rucked before at any level, call the switchboard. It's 84120000. Send your resume and you may be required. Oh, for short-term loans in the AFL system. Hey, that's a good debate for another. Time. Crunch time is for Berwick Motor Group. Sail on now at Berwick Nissan and Ozito, powering DIYers all day, every day at Bunnings. There's a stack to work with out of the two games we've had so far and what comes next. So let's delve into last night. Slogging affair in heavy conditions. So the rain swept through and it, it, it did what it did to the ground. So she was hard going all night. Collingwood held an edge and responded the couple of times that they were challenged. Yeah, I think both teams, they realised that they lacked in the contested possession and clearances in previous years, and they went out and got a Taranto, and they went out and got a Tommy Mitchell for this exact reason. But I thought Collingwood early were really good. Tommy Mitchell stood up. Side bottom was excellent early. Dugowie, a fit Dugowie is as good as anyone. He was so important for Collingwood last night. But as you said, if they, the game should have been over at halftime. They, they just missed so many opportunities that, Collingwood forwards, I think, to go and kick three points. Um, but, yeah, they had so many opportunities. They had the ball played in their half. They just couldn't convert, which made it for an interesting second half, especially when Richmond got a little bit of a run on. I just wonder, is it the system or is it the players? Because I reckon you could mount a case for three of Collingwood's players to be in the top ten in the competition right now. Well, Jordan Dugowie's a freak talent, and we've talked so much about Jordan over the last few years. And I think we're seeing the benefits of a great relationship between a, a troubled player a guy that's found trouble um, and a coach that's embraced him and all his, his flaws and all of his warts and all those things and it's just challenging channeling him, I should say, back to football. And, and the rewards are huge. This guy just rips games apart. Like when he's involved at centre bounces, it's like no one can tackle him. It's like no one can stop him. And then he's now turning up to that next contest more regularly. He blew that game apart last night. In the first, in the first half... It was three goals, 10 to one goal, three. Now, the, the, the scoreboard tells so many lies about, about last night. And Richmond were down, manpower, we get all that. But they've got, they've got Penderbury, the two Dacos boys. Mitchell's become a serious clearance player. He always was, but he, he's loved where he is now. Um, and obviously, everyone's talking about Nick Dacos, but I think Jordan is the one that really changes the course of the Pies midfield. Yeah, you said about the coaching. It looks like they're all... That excited to play for Collingwood. If you go through all the players, like my check, three or four years ago, because they're playing such good footy and they're winning, you look down and go, is is everyone playing their role? And you, mm. you go through that side, I think, you go to a Frampton or, or a Murphy, these kind of blokes who come in, and they were excellent last night. I said, my, my check created the first three or four scoring opportunities by just crashing a pack. It's a, it's a tough role as a centre-half forward. You normally have the best defender on you, and he puts his body on the line week in, week out, sometimes doesn't get a reward for it, apart from a pat on the back from his teammates. But you look through the way that they play, everyone's willing to play a role because it's it's enjoyable football. And, you know, you, you, you watch the Collingwood supporters rock up and they're loud, they're, and their energy is amazing at the games. And football is better when, when Collingwood are playing well. Winning creates winning. It's, it's every little thing you ask for now, every little thing that Craig McRae asks for, the players just do. 
because they know what the rewards are. And it's not about you getting a kick or you getting a possession or, or a goal or an individual reward. So this is only growing. And, and I think they've been a little bit lucky to start the season with the three teams that they've played. They've got them at the right time. Like getting Richmond last night. It's not, when you, it's not who you play, it's when you play them. Getting Richmond last night, I think most teams around that top four to five would say, gee, we'd love to play Richmond tonight you know, without all those stars. They got Geelong at, at the right time, you know, underdone in so many areas in, in, in round one. Um, did a job on Port Adelaide, okay, no, no problem there. But we, we still wait to see. They've got challenges now with the Ruck, which we'll get to in a moment. But the way they're playing is different to what we've seen over the last few years. This is where it comes back to absolute coaching. And I think you have to talk about the, the, the brain power of Leppich and McRae. That, that marriage is, is, is so good. They are just – they are – so dangerous when you give them the ball now, and it's and it's 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 optional football. If you can take on the corridor, take it on, but don't don't take excessive risk. If not, we go wide, we set up, we build, and, and the other opposition teams have to cover corridor because there's a threat there, and they have to cover wide because if it if they choose to play a bit safer, they leapfrog you all the way down the ground. They've got a forward fifty that's absolutely humming. Jamie Elliott is having some sort of start to the season. We're all looking at the big boys and. That's what I think Elliot's sneaking under the radar with what he's doing. Um, so every every component's working at the moment. There'll be bigger challenges, and it's always a scare to be this good this early. Um, but as Craig McRae says, this may just be the start. They may get better. But from from their midfield, they, they run in numbers. So if they there was a, there was a bit of there was a play where more I think it was in the third quarter came out big spoil, then laid a big tackle, and all of a sudden there was four Collingwood people at the turnover, and they ran in numbers. There was crisp. The goey Mitchell ended up in a goal at the other end just because when, when they get that turnover, it's not like one go or two go. If you run into trouble, you know that you've got two or three or four teammates in and around you, and that's why they're so hard to stop because it's like a wall of runners, and there's normally only one or two defenders that can try and try and stop them or get in their road. So it's it's on the flip side of that, against Geelong, there were so many times where Geelong, if they had to turn the ball over, they had 3v1 in their forward 50. So I think the key against Collingwood, if you can, is to try and put a wall – with, with their runners, turn the ball over because you look at the Nick Dacos and the likes, they're happy to run off because they're getting rewarded for it. But you can turn that ball over. You've got free forwards up the other end. So it's just the tricky thing of trying to turn the ball over considering how clean they are with their hands. Some of what we know, some of what's evolving in front of us and then some that's new. So Billy Frampton played his best game in the AFL last night as he went with Tom Lynch. I reckon he, he won more of the one-on-ones than he squared or lost. Uh, he looked like the player that it was probably always foretold that he could be, but he never looked like he was going to be at Port. And then in this environment, however it's working, it's just that the fairy dust that's on Collingwood at the moment, it's allowed him to become that player. And we saw we saw a big piece of it last night. Yeah, and we saw this growing through the off-season. I mean, we put him put him on... Sometimes, you know, in footy, one man's trash, another man's treasure. You know, we've often seen one player plugged in. Some things are one player, one person fixes. Collingwood awful at clearances and contested possession over the last not not contested possession outside of the stoppage, but inside the stoppage the last few years. Get Mitchell, plug that in, problem solved. He's what is he? He's, he's won ten centre bounds clearances in three games. He's he's averaging fourteen contested possessions and eight clearances. That that's that's solved. So now you don't ask those players who really can't do that to do that role, to do that function. No, no, you just play how you normally play. One metre off, first receive, whatever it is. So then it all all the pieces are in the right um, spots. Down back, that, that full-back spot is, if you get that wrong, you're in trouble everywhere in your back line. 
and this this will be the discussion with Brisbane later on. What the domino effect of not having that role covered is huge. So I look at Frampton. He's been involved in six one-on-ones this year. He's lost one. Moore's been involved in five, yet to be beaten. Murphy's lost two of five. Quayna hasn't lost any of three. Maynard hasn't lost any of two. So that's three of 21 for the prime of your back six. That They're outstanding numbers. So they, they've got enormous trust if they're one but they never are one-on-one. The, the, the beauty is to not expose your defenders, but against Lynch, he looks really capable. At first half, I, I don't know what the exact numbers are for first half, but he, he looks safe. And that, that's a big result for a, for a recruit that's been there three games. And in fairness, when you're a defender and it starts raining as it did, you lick your lips because you know it's going to be a tough night for the forward. But the biggest thing that I saw from Collingwood and their defenders, especially Frampton, who's coming in, he's unsure of his position. He's in there because of how hurt himself. But he was willing, when you're playing on someone like Lynch, you want to stay. You want to make sure he doesn't get a touch. He was willing to leave Lynch to help out teammates. And that shows the first thing that he goes, we're, we're defending as a team. And my coaches want me to do this. So if I do leave for the right reasons and Lynch gets a goal, I'm not going to get in trouble. And that was the first part where I looked at him and go, he's got full confidence in the coaches and he's got full confidence in his, in his role and what he's been able to do. Feel for him, though, because he's probably going to have to play Ruck next week, Jared. So you just got yourself settled down back. You might have to play Ruck. So let's explore that. Darcy Cameron subbed out of the game at three-quarter time. Ice on his knee in the room. So unsighted during the last quarter. So there was a, a ripple of concern. And then Craig McRae gave some alarming detail, really, in he the was, press conference. He was very transparent. So it's a high-grade MCL, to, to use Craig's terminology. Medial collateral ligament, of course. Now, he'll be scanned today for the specifics, like meniscus damage and, and secondary knee damage. But it's obviously going to be several, several weeks on the sideline. So this comes a day after Mason Cox revealed he was suffering the complications from that rib injury. So that's a hematoma, a blood clot behind the ribs, some internal bleeding there. So to use Mason's uh, language, he's targeting Anzac Day. So that's still a couple of weeks away, at least for him. Rookie listed Aiden Beggs, 20 years of age. He's played three AFL games, but he was diagnosed with back soreness before VFL round two. So he's still perhaps a month away from playing, we're told. Brody Grundy obviously traded out. And that leaves only, Jared, the teenage rookie Oscar Steen, who arrived so recently from West Adelaide. He's not even in the AFL season guide for Collingwood. <laughs> the only fit, recognised ruckman on the list at 201 centimetres and 87 kilos. So there's not a lot of him. A light frame. Craig McRae did say after the game that perhaps most likely he isn't ready. Oscar McInerney awaits. Darcy Fort awaits as well. So no small assignment. So Steen is actually scheduled to play tonight in the VFL against Port Melbourne. That's at uh, uh, at Port Melbourne, obviously North Port Oval. So keep an eye on the minutes he plays. If he plays limited minutes, that perhaps is a clue that they're, they're thinking of him. Obviously, the next AFL game is going to roll around quick Thursday night. They'll fly out Wednesday. If he plays the full game, then I think we're right to assume that someone like a Billy Frampton is going to have to play ruck. They're, certainly, they're going to have to get creative because how, much, how excited do you reckon Scotty Pendlebury was at this stage of his career to be told you're going to have to do some ruck work last night? <laughs> Can't be doing that again. So what to do? What to do, David King, Luke Hodge? Well, you know, I, I, I know the mindset of McInerney and Darcy Ford. It's not going to be what Nan Curvis gave him last night. So he's, Nan Curvis is 10, 12, 15 kilos heavier than McStay. And he was trying to tap the ball in nice and close just to make it a scrap. Collingwood were up. It's wet conditions. They wanted stoppage after stoppage after stoppage. What Richmond needed, Richmond needed to open the game up. I can tell you what, if they're going to come in with the same Ruckman as a McStay against a Darcy Fort or uh, a McInerney, they're going to spike the ball. They're going to get meadridge. They're going to get the ball moving their way. Mm. And in wet conditions last night, I thought Nan Curvis missed a prime opportunity, even though there was no set play because it only happened at three-quarter time. Use your strength. There's... 
you've got midfielders there. Get it out in the open. At least something may happen. They, I thought he played into to Collingwood's hands just by keeping it in close where that's not going to happen this weekend. Yeah, I'm not a subscriber to... There's probably three Ruckman that shift the course of games. Max Gorn, every time we see him, does something. Nick Natanui, every time we see him. And there's always one a year that jumps up. Sam Darcy was last year. Haven't seen that this year. Who is it this year? We're not really that sure. Darcy Cameron had a fantastic game against Port Adelaide, particularly in the first half. Probably set up that victory in a lot of ways. But he's not He's not Max Gorn. So, so is he a loss? Absolutely, because they don't have a logical replacement. But... Why wouldn't they just? I think what they'll do is they'll experiment. They'll have they'll experiment between the arcs. I think Frampton will do the ruck work down back, which usually is against the full forward anyway. So it's like for like, stay with your opponent. I think they'll be reluctant to throw him around after just embedding him in that position and have and seeing him go so well. And again, what I spoke about before that domino effect of asking less of those other players. And Darcy Moore can be Darcy Moore, and you know the flow on. Um, and then in the forward line. I mean, most most teams put their ruckman behind the ball anyway, so you just have you have a Mycheck or a McStay or whoever do it in the forward line. Then you worry about between the arcs. Well, between the arcs, if you want to hit the ball into space against Collingwood between the arcs, hey, hope you got your runners on, because they're the best ground level team in the comp at the moment, and that's done by design. Um, at ground level, the last three weeks, plus two, plus thirteen, plus twenty two last night. I mean, don't don't hit in, don't open the game up to speed against the Pies. That's a disaster. So I don't know what they'll do, but I think they'll have some fun between the arcs. I don't think you'll know who the Ruckman is. It'll be different players at different stages. I'll get the take that Kingy doesn't rate Ruckman. That's just my feeling. I don't, I don't rate average Ruckman. I don't <laughs> no. rate average Ruckman. I, obviously, there's the elite, and then there's the rest. What, what do the rest really give you? You could get hurt in one game, couldn't you? Like, if Brisbane set it up properly, you should be able to turn McInerney Fort into a substantial one-game advantage, regardless of their broad status in the game. Yeah, I'm. I'm not a subscriber. I don't okay. agree with that. I think the hardest thing to do is to score from clearance. You may, you may win the, the actual first possession, and you may dump it forward. But then it's a live game. We've seen Richmond do this for years. We've seen Hawthorne do this for years. I feel and like they, they I won feel six like premiers last set up the Lions' midfield to annihilate Melbourne's midfield at the Gabba one round ago. Yeah, it, it, it can, can happen. Try. I'm not saying it can't happen. It, it, of course, it can happen. But there's so many other things go into your scoring. That if you over overvalue the hit out, I think you run aground. But it, it's it's case by case scenario. So last night it was wet conditions. You're down by 25, 30 points. You need to get the ball out in the open. So you wouldn't do it from the start. You'd back your midfielders. But in the last quarter, half three quarters away through the last quarter, Richmond had sixteen hit outs to Collingwood's three. Mm. Clearances was ten to five. Mm. So hitting it in close clearly wasn't working for what you. They score. Pardon? What did they score from those clearances? Well, that, Collingwood didn't need to score, so they were happy for another stoppage. But Richmond. Collingwood, what did Richmond score? Well, they only had five clearances. So they were, they were winning the taps but losing the clearances. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So they were hitting it in close and Collingwood were winning. What I'm saying, if that's if you're down, you can't continue to do that. You've got to experiment, hit it out wide, hit it out in the open space, boundary side. So if it doesn't, if it doesn't come off, you get another stoppage. This week, I can guarantee if there's a McInerney gets something else, it won't be just a normal stock standard hit to your chest. It might be a little pop over the back and they might have Zorko running around the back. It might be a Jared Berry from the wing who might swap with a Zorko in the middle and he might charge through right in front of that chest. There won't be just a stock standard no movement as Richmond gave us last night. They, they will try things. They, they see there's an asset in the ruck who can hit at 360 degrees with his height and his reach. They won't be just trying to put it into a 50-50 situation. 
Our Friday night wrap is for La Cabra, home of the goat Mexican food. The Richmond side of the equation coming up on Crunch Time with Luke Hodge and David King. The award-winning Crunch Time for Azito Power Tools. German design quality and innovation powering DIYers all day, every day. It was, you know, um, in particular, I think, what happens, I thought we fumbled and bumbled and ran the contest and I thought they were just cleaner. Um, so the number can sort of blow out a little bit like that with regard to the, you know, the nature of it. And, you know, we look at their numbers, I think, you know, the first couple of games have been very strong. We've been OK. Um, we probably need to be better tonight. I thought they were a lot cleaner in and around the contest and showed out. Damien Hardwick's assessment of Richmond's 14-point loss to Collingwood's crunch time is for Ozito Powering DIYs all day, every day at Bunnings. 8.15.63, Collingwood to Richmond, 7.749. Our Friday night wrap is for La Cabra. Savour the food and embrace the Mexican culture. Search La Cabra Mexican for your nearest restaurant. What did we learn about Richmond, if anything? Uh, more of what we know. They're, they're, they're a seriously good footy club. Go into a game against the competition leaders at the minute that are absolutely low-flying, really don't have too many flaws, put up a pretty good fight, but in the end just lacked that one or two players that, that were prepared to say, follow me. You know, the, the guys that, that spark a, a momentum shift or, or do something against against the grain in, in the game to, to give a team some hope. That they, they were just a little bit young and asked a little bit too much of some of the guys that couldn't take control of the game. We, we're talking about guys like you know, Rewald, who's done it forever, uh, even Tommy Lynch, they really couldn't command a 10-minute window to give them an opportunity. Um, and that, that's full credit to Collingwood. So I, I think you just say, OK, more of the same for the Tigers. Pretty happy with what their profile looks like at the moment. Still pretty uh, competitive at clearances. They're getting more opportunities than what they've got in the past, but they just ran into a pretty good team. Yeah, and as soon as you saw the rain starting to fall, you look down, there's no Dusty, no Broad, no Hopper and Short. You sit back and go, they're four pretty important people that I wouldn't mind in that Richmond side. Even though if it had been dry, Collingwood would probably be even more favourite because how they move the ball. But as you said, it was a it was a, a fighting game from them. It was something that they didn't they didn't give up. Their third quarter, the start of the third quarter when they came in, kicked three goals quickly. You thought, oh, here we go. This is a little bit of Richmond of old, but they just don't have the talent on the park to, to match against a, a Collingwood a Collingwood side of that quality. When did they last kick the ball that poorly, Richmond? That was a disaster by foot, though, last night, wasn't it? Uh, First I, half, I, I thought Collingwood was bad. 28 turnovers in their forward half, in a half. Yeah. Which is an off-the-chart number. There, there was a few ones where I, I sort of sat back early when they were switching across in front of goal, and they missed three in their back 50, and I'm like, yeah, yeah that's, that's not Richmond. Richmond never make those easy... They gave it mistakes. back a lot in that yeah, they first did. There. Yeah, they did. And, and Collingwood didn't make them pay, really. 8-15. It, it should have really been a 6-7-8 goal win. Um, it was 3-10 at halftime. Yeah. The game should have been over. Yeah, well, it sort of was, wasn't it? Everyone there would have thought this is this is just a, a landslide one way. But, yeah, it, it is difficult in conditions like that. I think early in the season you get those games every now and then where mm. no one's really f- – 100% ready for the pressure that's involved. They've done a pre-season, but the pressure ramps up every week. And Wet weather in March is a bit different to wet weather in July, I reckon, too. Yeah, yeah. It was like they hadn't seen a wet footy for ages. And guess what? They haven't seen a wet weather footy for ages. <laughs> uh, was it, was it, look, the last two games have been pretty ordinary footy, really, as a spectacle. 
Um, but luckily, reasonably close. So what we did, so this is game 19 of the season, and this is the first time I feel the sub has made a difference. It was a tactical decision. They were clearly thinking about it in the last minutes of the second half, waited till half time, and Noah Cumberland changed the tempo of the game in the first 10 minutes of the third quarter. He's a player. He had a terrific back half of last season. He's a bit of a wild card, isn't he? He finds the ball in really aggressive positions, and he, he plays a style that... If he has six or seven touches, they're going on the scoreboard. I love those sort of players. I think it's a – to me, he's a must-play for Richmond. Like Their forward line can look a little bit um, pedestrian at times, and we've never really said that about the Richmond forward line. I think it's come out of there a bit easy the last couple of weeks. Um, so that, they need those spark players. I know we look at the magnets of Dusty and Lynch and Rewalt and Bolton, and we, and we fall in love with them. But more often than not, you see Morris Rioli putting pressure on and not a lot of others. So I think they need a little bit more youth in that forward half. He's a player that looks like he doesn't overcomplicate the game. If the ball's there, it's a 50-50. He's going to go in hard and win it. And he just tries to do the simple things. And and that's what created that little bit of a a burst. They made the smart sub, take it off a tall, put it on a small with those conditions, Um, which definitely created a few more opportunities up forward for him. Does Shea Bolton do enough? Did he do enough? Uh, he's, he's just had a funny start to the year, hasn't he? Like, it's a little bit... That sort of player can have that, that sort of run. Um, so is he always going to be that sort of player? Well, I don't know is the answer. I, I don't think any of us really know. But if he's a Dugowie-style player, he, he saw Dugowie, and then he'd be looking thinking, hey, that should be me. They're, they're different players in their... Their gifts are different, aren't they? Like, Bolton can take the high mark. He's probably... He may even be a victim of the wet weather, Jared. It sounds silly to say it because he's a small, but um, they're, diff- they're slightly different players but have that sort of same impact. But 12 kicks, a goal, it's just a so-so night for him. The, the high expectation, because we saw the footy that he played last year and he has <laughs> had a real impact for, for Richmond, I th- I'll, I'll put down to the weather. I, I rate him a lot higher than what he produced last night. But in saying that, he's not, as you see, he's not the same as Dugowie. Dugowie's a big-bodied, fit Ooh. midfielder. Where Bolton, you saw his first goal. The the ground ball pick up, spin, snap on the outside of the right foot. That was just pure class. It's very hard to do that consistently in bad conditions with a slippery ball. Ash Johnson, should he play every week? Yes. He is a good player. And something different in that front half for mine. Yeah. I think that Craig McRae created some standards at the start of this year. And they, they made him work for it. Maybe didn't come back in the best of condition. Mm. And when the rest do... And, and abide by the rules, and you're playing like you are as a team. They make it hard for you to get in, and that, that's a healthy that's a healthy spot to be yeah. as a football club. It's a good mix of forward as well, because my checks that crash and bash, bring the mm. ball to ground. McStay's the one who will work up and then work back and try and, and get the, your smalls, the smalls, and then he's just a good old genuine hard leader, a dangerous, good, good hands, great kick at goal, good hands. A little bit of easy there. You got your smalls. <laughs> what else you got? You got your Johnsons, you got your Nobles. (laughs) Three, the next three for Richmond. So the Bulldogs at the MCG, Sydney at Adelaide Oval, and Gather Round and Melbourne at the MCG. They're one, one, and one. They're in the grip of of a cluster of injuries. It's sort of a bit of hold the fort time, I reckon. You don't want that to slide away from you over the next three weeks. So they've got to get a result out of somewhere. I'm a a believer. So I'm, I'm in. I'm in on the Richmond camp. I think they're. Their profile is different because over the last few years, they've lost clearance, the ball's gone down back, and they've had to play this free-flowing brand of footy. Really exciting. So when you go inside 50, you score because you're going to a one-on-one or two one-on-ones. So you you pick your poison and you generally score. 
So your efficiency is high, but you give up a lot of territory, which we know hurts you in big games. The pointy end of the year, it's hard to play that way against teams that are really good defensively. So they've made change with, obviously, no Hopper last night, but Taranto and Hopper going in there over the next uh, few weeks, you'll see that. They're, they're winning clearance, but you're going into six one-on-ones or 6v6 or 7v6 or 8v6. And it's a lot harder to score that way. So they're not as fluent. They're not as efficient in terms of getting it on the scoreboard, but they own territory and they're a better defensive product. So it's a shift in, in total strategy that I think will take a few weeks to embed. But when they do, they'll be 50-50 on, on the, on the win-loss chart when they do, and they'll set up for a run the back half of the year like they do every time under Damien. They learned so much from 2018, it's not funny. Uh, so I, I think they'll be their best rounds 14 onwards. So give it a little bit of time, but it's a different look. I'm not as sold as, as what you are. I want to make my decision over the next three or four weeks with the with the games that they've got. Bulldogs, even though Bulldogs, the game wasn't pretty on Thursday night, they, they struggled. They had that hard-fought win, and I'm liking their defence with Bruce Jones and Keith. Going to make it tough for Lynch and Rewalt. So I'm not 100% sold on Richmond yet, but it's going to tell us a bit over the next three weeks. So Hopper, Martin um, and Short, both ex- all expected to come back next week, uh, he said last night, Damien Harwick. So the last element out of last night was the news around Jeremy Howe, who'd spent some time back in hospital with an infection in his arm. Yeah, so the bone is healing. I mean, that is the main thing, isn't it? That the injury is coming on. But an infection, as you can get with these compound fractures, of course, back in hospital during the week, and uh, Coach Craig McRae did go and check on him. So that I guess the disappointing aspect of this is that it's just delaying the rehab, or at least the start of the rehab. So it means that Jeremy can't get out on the track he can't start running. He can't start building back up again until that infection is obviously healed and he's and he's back home. So it's probably who knows how much it's cost him, Jared. It might be one game, might be two games, but the bones healing, obviously the infections are a complication. That's the Friday night wrap for La Cabra, home of the goat Mexican food. We'll go back to Thursday nights. The the iconic moment with Jamari Ugalhagen, his performance, the Bulldogs get their foothold and a whole set of questions opening up around the Lions who are one and two. You're listening to Crunch Time.